Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. The Starbucks pistachio latte will transport you to your happy place. The comforting flavor of pistachio, warm espresso and milk, all with a brown buttery topping. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. I'm Mindy Abair. You're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by Pantheon Media. Uh, today we're going to do something that's uh, essentially not a crazy, wacky topic. It's a pretty traditional topic. Again, it's filling in the, um, the, the bricks and mortars of the actual history of heavy metal. We are going to do the history of doom metal in five songs today. It's a rainy, gray day here in Toronto. I figured this was a perfect topic for today. So, to get started, doom metal... Well, let's not give it away. Let's let's not give away the grandfathers of doom metal, whom you all know who, yeah, who it is anyways. But doom metal, you know, you could say it has its roots in, in dark, creepy metal, the Diablos in Musica, the tritone, um, occult themes, just general bleakness. I mean, there's really nothing before, okay, let's give it away. Black Sabbath, February 13th. Friday the 13th, uh, February 1970, Black Sabbath with their first album. Black Sabbath, of course, is is the roots of doom metal. But before we go there, um, you know, the Beatles could be kind of creepy at times. Uh, I, I First thing that comes to mind for me is Rolling Stones, Painted Black. I mean, there's, there's the uh, roots of goth there as well. I mean, um, lyrically, musically... Uh, you know, in the 60s, people started dabbling with the occult, but the roots of occult metal are much different than the roots of doom metal because, uh, you know, the occult metal swing, um, you know, you've got things like Monument and Graham Bond Organization, you eventually have Coven, you have Black Widow, who's actually doing a satanic sacrifice, mock sacrifice on stage, they often got uh, confused with Black Sabbath, and then you've got Black Sabbath themselves. So, the fathers of, of doom metal, the grandfathers of doom metal, the, the, the band that invented doom metal so much so that you can't even say they invented doom metal because doom metal is something that derives from the people who invented it. They are just simply Black Sabbath. Um, but let's go back and uh, let's get to some music because we have to establish uh, what doom metal is and this is absolutely the perfect example. This is Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath off of the album Black Sabbath. Uh, so good they had to name it twice and all that, as Van Halen would say, David Lee Roth. Take a listen. Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Okay, well, obviously, that has 
many of the elements of doom uh, that 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 one could consider part of the genre. And the reason why we consider anything part of the genre is because Black Sabbath did it first. I mean, what's what's most impressive about Black Sabbath is okay, they're arriving here. They're the first ones to do this sort of really scary sort of music um, with scary lyrics. This is like a satanic lyric. There's one or two other satanic ones on here. Um, you know, Geezer is a conflicted guy. He grew up a Catholic. Geezer is writing all the lyrics, of course. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of war lyrics. There's bleakness. There's a lot of drugs. Uh, and essentially, you know, Black Sabbath kind of said, well, hey, let's do something different. Let's do let's do scary music. No one ever tried to scare people the way, you know, all these great hammer horror films that all these British people grew up with, uh, you know, and, and loved. No one's really tried to do that in music. So they basically came up with this idea that let's make super scary music. And that's exactly what Doom is, I suppose. Um, but the but the incredibly impressive thing about Black Sabbath is, A, there's a lot of Doomy stuff even across this album. And it's a completely brand new kind of music. I mean, we aren't doing the episode right now on inventing heavy metal, but they, you know, this album is tantamount uh, in that respect as well. But let's just say for now, they are inventing a, a creepy, doomy, slow, uh, you know, eventually down-tuned kind of heavy metal. Um, they've also got clean vocals, and this has, this eventually becomes sort of a, a hallmark of doom. Uh, but why does it? It's because of Ozzy. I mean, because Black Sabbath is there inventing it. Now, how much are they in there inventing it? A lot. Because basically, um, our next choice, we're not even going to pick anything else from this decade. Um, you know, in the States, people often talk about, you know, the other bands in there that are doing anything even remotely like this. Bang, Sir Lord Baltimore, Pentagram. You know, Pentagram is kind of important in this discussion, but not really because they never really got it together to make records in the 70s. Um, but also Blue Oyster Cult gets put into here as well. They do some kind of doomy things, um, but they have so much else, you know, strange going on with that band. No one really considers them a doom band, but they do a lot of doomy things. Um, throughout the 70s, even riffs like uh, Godzilla or uh, or Cities on Flame or um, what else? Harvester of Eyes. There's, there's a lot of kind of kind of crazy, doomy things that they do. The Lyrically, there's a lot of conspiracy theory stuff and, and drugs and bikers and all that. And all that is great stuff for Doom. But the cool thing about Sabbath is that they do it on this album. They do it on the next album. I mean, listen to War Pigs, Hand of Doom, right? Um, fairies Wear Boots, uh, Moving Children of the Grave, Into the Void. I mean, there's there's almost nothing doomier uh, than, than something like Into the Void, uh, even Sweet Leaf, Parts of After Forever, Children of the Grave. Um, very, very doomy band. They stay slow. They stay doomy and downtune across volume four. Think of Killing Yourself to Live off of Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Think of Thrill of It All, The Writ. Like, you know, this super long, crazy slow song. Megalomania has crazy slow parts in it. The last two albums, not so much for Sabbath in, in terms of being totally doomy, but Swing in the Chain, Shockwaves. Um, there's some pretty cool stuff on there. So, yeah, Sabbath, not only do they invent it once, they do it like eight times, essentially, across the 70s. And no one, you know, amazingly, amazingly, no one really um, comes in and 
uh, challenges them on this kind of music. They're the only ones doing it. Although I do want to mention one asterisk that never gets mentioned in the in the Doom discussion, and that's Uriah Heep. Um, you know, Uriah Heep are super important in the invention of metal. But you think of things like uh, later on. Uh, Sunrise, even parts of Sweet Freedom. Um, but, you know, Gypsy is a pretty doomy song. Bird of Prey is a pretty doomy song. Uh, Sh- Shadows of Grief. Um, so uh, they can be pretty doomy as well. Uh, not so much Deep Purple. They really don't go down this road. But Heap, you know, people compare Heap and Deep Purple all the time for many reasons. Um, but uh, Heap can also be kind of kind of shoved over a little bit into that Black Sabbath uh, axis where Deep Purple cannot. Um, you know, there's the fantasy lyrics, David Byron's sort of dreamy, take you away, escapist voice. Um, so there's there are a lot of things about Heap, you know, those early Roger Dean artworks. There's a lot of things about this band that are, that are quite doomy that don't get mentioned. But really... Um, we are just going to pick uh, that Black Sabbath uh, track, Black Sabbath, of course, as as number one. So let's move on to number two. Like I say, we move all the way into uh, the 80s for this. I want to go to the new wave of British heavy metal. This is a little bit of a, an odd choice, um, but I've always considered this a, a pretty darn doomy album. It's, uh, it's the Angel Witch album, uh, Angel Witch. Uh, let's take a little bit of a listen to... Confused. Yes, let's do. I'm confused. Let's uh, let's do a bit of confused. That's a good choice. Uh, here you go, Angel Witch. Confused. All right, so very cool. I mean, Angel Witch, uh, there's a lot of pretty doomy stuff across this. Kevin Hayborn's uh, vocals are also uh, pretty doomy as well. But what I love about this record is that it's just relentless uh, in terms of of how heavy and dark it is. It's also got a a completely satanic, a classic old school album cover. the band is called Angel Witch. The record is called Angel Witch. It's got that two two name satan or two word satanic name, just like Black Sabbath. So there's a lot of touchstones to doom with this. I mean, you know, one can also or almost go the next step and include Iron Maiden in this. I mean, Iron Maiden's first album, also called just you know Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. It also comes out right at the beginning of 1980, just like Black Sabbath came out right at the beginning of 1970. They're kind of the big band of the 80s, um, and it's pretty doomy as well. It's got a doomy album cover to it. But Angel Witch goes that extra step, just the same way Black Sabbath goes that extra step over your eye heap, and also somewhat in the same way because Iron Maiden is considered a little bit proggy. Iron Ma- or uh, your eye heap is considered a little bit proggy. Um, but um, but no, the the themes are satanic. They're dark. Uh, the production is is dark and heavy. Um, and there's a lot of sort of Diablos in Musica, tritone stuff on this. And yes, Kevin Hayborn does have a little bit of that sort of bleeding, innocent, hurtful or hurt Aussie voice uh, to him. So, so yeah, Angel Witch, I definitely want to uh, include in this sort of trajectory of doom. Okay, so moving on. Um, now we, for the very first time, we get we get a band that really, really 
does try to or, or is inspired by Black Sabbath and tries to be somewhat of the next, uh, somewhat the next Black Sabbath. This is Witchfinder General, and we're going to listen a little bit to the first song on their very first album. They only made two albums at the time. Later on, they reformed, blah, blah, blah. But two classic albums at the time. The first one was called Death Penalty. This is Invisible Hate. Take a listen. Okay, there you go. I mean, very doomy stuff here. Um, what what we have is uh, again we have that that vocal out of Zeb Parks, kind of a mystery man. A lot of things happen to him later on that that uh, that the guys don't like to talk about. Um, but basically, you get that uh, you get that very doomy sort of uh, you know innocent sort of almost adolescent voice out of him. You know, a little bit out of control, a little bit you know squeaky. Um, but underneath it, you get this this crazy heavy downtuned sound. You get sort of this this architectural separation between the bass and the drums and the guitar. Um, it feels like it's going to unravel a little bit. I mean, that's not particularly a thing about Doom. I mean, Doom does have kind of a raw, spontaneous sound, even though it's slow. Um, they would tighten it up somewhat on the next album called Friends of Hell but yeah I mean there's uh, there's the the title track to the name of the band song on this Witchfinder General that is that is like a cool classic doom anthem I mean they've got the uh, what's her name Joanna Latham I guess her name is uh, you know uh no, no top on, barren at all. Uh, on on the cover of both album covers, it's kind of funny. Paul Birch from Heavy Metal Records just figured, you know what? We're just gonna dare the world to censor these album covers, and it never really happened. I mean, and they're basically, you know, the, the guys are dressed up like, uh, you know, witch finders, uh, and and out there, you know, terrorizing the countryside at dawn. Uh, that's that's uh, the the first photo shoot uh, took place at, uh, or maybe it was the second one at dawn. But anyways, these covers are hilarious. I mean, they're they're just so so over the top uh, about kind of like witch trial-y type of stuff, churches and whatnot, and dripping blood pictures, and so uh, basically. Uh, basically, Witchfinder General is the first band where you go, wow, those guys really sound like Black Sabbath. Not so much the band Witchfind, although there's a little bit of that. And as I say, Angel Witch. Angel Witch is a little bit, uh, you know, they could be a little bit more technical and up-tempo, so they're not quite as directly doom as Witchfinder General. So, you know, you got to say, Witchfinder General is pretty much the very first doom band because Black Sabbath is just Black Sabbath and other bands kind of have these problems. Witchfinder General, the very first doom band. So yeah, let's take a short break and we'll be right back. When we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled 
with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rockin'. Okay, good to have you back. Let's move on. Let's move on to number four on our list. Okay, so Doom is established now through the likes of Witchfinder General. That was 1982 for Witchfinder General. Let's move up to 1984. Now, one that I'm going to leave off of this is St. Vitus. I mean, an American band, St. Vitus, obsessed. There's that whole sort of... um, there's, there's that whole trajectory of this American doom uh, that, that happens. But the, the biggest band, or the most impressive band, I think, in doom, period, uh, in terms of the early days, is Trouble out of Chicago. So let's take a listen to this, and then we'll discuss Trouble. This is a victim of the insane off of their debut album, uh, originally called Trouble, sort of confusingly changed to be called Psalm 9 later on. So here we go. Victim of the insane. Alright, so Trouble is incredible band. Um, they they were considered, there was this funny thing going on, oh, there's black metal from Venom. Uh, you know, they're on Metal Blade Records, one of the early bands on Metal Blade. Brian Slagle, great recognizer of talent. He just loved these guys right out of the gates and for obvious reasons. Um, but the idea was uh, Trouble is white metal if Venom is black metal. Just sort of like Angel in the 70s was the white band against Kiss being the black band. Um, so basically uh, the reason this happens is because it's uh, originally early on it was really fire and brimstone like violent biblical lyrics more than anything. It was like a vengeful violent God who's going to smite everybody. Um, so, so it was like this, this crazy big warning ag- against, uh, you know, uh, doing bad things, uh, coming out of Eric Wagner. Very cool mystique got built out of this. The, these really creepy, uh, you know, uh, fairly cheaply kind of illustrated cover arts with sort of this cross T, you know, iconic logo. Um, so, so a very raw sound, you know, it, it could be fairly up-tempo at times, uh, in a, in a singer in Eric Wagner, you get a little bit bit more of vocal fry in his voice so he's he's a little bit off of basically really what we did here you know 
Ozzy through Kevin Hayborn through Zeb Parks. Very, very similar singers there. So here we are getting a slightly different singer, but these guys could be extremely doomy at times. Um, like I say, there is some up-tempo going on, but but you listen to you know the next album, The Skull and Run to the Light, and then you get into the Rick Rubin years. But but mainly the Skull and Run to the Light are their are their sort of like doom DNA, doom in the blood albums where it could be very obscure and slow. You know, they're almost, uh, there's there's stuff on these records that are so slow that they almost lead into that, uh, that Paradise Lost, My Dying Bride, Doom Revival thing that was happening in, in England uh, later on, basically, you know, mid, mid-90s, I suppose, um, which incidentally, you know, went along with a whole massive Doom Revival, Doom slash Stoner Rock that was coming out of like the Swedish bands and the Finnish bands who, you know, the Finns eventually make the best metal in every style. Um, yeah, Amorphous at that time from Finland, Solitude Eternus from Texas at that time. Um, but anyways, back to 1984, Trouble is just killing it with this new Doom sound. There is no more Witchfinder General. They, they do this debut album, which, uh, which as I say, can be a little bit ragged, but also a little bit up-tempo, so a little bit, you know, like, we can't figure out what this band, are they a Christian metal band? Are they white metal? What kind of metal are they? But when you get to the skull and run to the light, you really hear a doomy, doomy band. Okay, let's move on to number five. Number five, um, the other super, super important band uh, in Doom, um, Candlemass out of Sweden. So Candlemass, uh, oh, you know, it's I've I've interviewed you know many times people from Candlemass and many times people from Trouble, and you know they were both kind of um, surprised to hear that anybody else in the world was doing what they were doing, um, which was essentially making Black Sabbath albums because Black Sabbath at this point. Had Ian Gillen in the band, and then they didn't have Ian Gillen in the band, and then before that they had Ronnie James Dio in the band for a couple albums, and they were kind of more up-tempo stadium rock. They were playing big stadiums. They're a big band, and at this point, uh, moving into Candlemass, Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus, 1986, Black Sabbath was almost no more. I mean, Tony's out there making this solo album, Seventh Star, members in and out all over the place. So Black Sabbath ain't around doing this, really. Um, but yes, before we move on, let's take a little listen to Candlemass. This is Crystal Ball from their debut, 1986. <laughs> Okay, well, there you go. In- incredible Doom. Leif Edling's a great, great writer. He went on to make tons of Doom. Messiah Mark Holen as a vocalist. Very cool guy. Um, he's like he's like the portly dude in the in the monk's outfit, tied with the tied with the rope. You know, the big frizzy hair. Um, 
quite an image he presented. And as a singer, he had a vibrato in his voice. He had a little bit of an operatic quality. So he was more of the clarion call, the, the, the 13 angels coming out of hell, you know, kind of voice. Like this victorious, you know, Eric Wagner had a real victorious, um, you know, conquering voice. And so did Messiah. But Messiah had a voice that was a little bit more of an operatic epic kind of thing. And, uh, and you know, they made a type of doom. You know, I've, I've always had a slight re reservation with Candlemas because I found the songs a little bit too simple of arrangement or or like not as action-packed not fast enough for me not not enough going on in a lot of lot of cases so it's funny I almost became a little bit more of a Candlemas fan when they got a little more psychedelic and they got the other lead singer in but he also at that point I was totally getting into Memento Mori which was uh, Messiah Mark Colin's other band Messiah and Leaf would fight tooth and nail and you know, Messiah was kind of kind of like considered a difficult guy to work with. Um, but Memento Mori was an incredible, incredible doom band and quite progressive as well. Um, but really, really cool band. Um, so yeah, there you go. I mean, Candlemass, uh, they're, they're kind of doing it at the same time as Trouble. The debut is a little bit later, 1986. But at this point, you know, Candlemass, Candlemass and Trouble essentially carry us through the 80s and of course this show is called history in five songs so we are we are making a history lesson here so um i want to end this history in the 80s and essentially you know no one was was supporting doom doing it basically alone besides saint vitus i suppose um uh, and 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 as impressively and as prolifically as trouble out of chicago and Candlemass out of sweden so there you go. There's your history in five songs of doom or doom metal, if you want to call it that. Um, so yeah, um, let's wrap up. Thanks again for uh, for listening. Uh, you can email me ideas for future shows. Go right ahead uh, at martinp at inforamp.net. Um, my email address, if you can't remember that, um, or if you're spelling it wrong or whatever, it is inforamp.net. You could just go to my site, martinpopoff.com. That's easy to remember. All my books are for sale there. There's there's PayPal, buy now buttons, etc. But I think my email address is there as well. Or you can look me up on Facebook. I'm pretty decent with my Facebooking. Um, shoot me some ideas for future shows. Um, but until next time, uh, there you go. Go get doomed, and uh, we'll see you next time. Looking for ways to help right the wrongs of social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology.
Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. <laughs>